Hi, my name's Grant Fishbook, and I am honored to be the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King Church in Bellingham, Washington. Thank you so much for choosing to access this online content today. We really hope you'll enjoy this message. One of our values here at Christ the King is biblical face-to-face -face community. And so while we are so excited that you joined us today online, I really want to encourage you. Make sure that this is never a replacement for face-to-face -face biblical community. Your story matters, you matter, and we want to see you get connected in a local church. Now, if you're here in our area, we would love to have you join us at any one of our five campuses. But if you find yourself outside of the Bellingham area, we really want you to get connected into a local church. So we hope and pray that that happens for you very, very soon. chasing something just out of reach. Power, pleasure, success, approval, wealth, wisdom. Solomon obtained all of these, yet at the end of his life, he said, it is only vapor, meaningless, like chasing the wind. But what if there's more to life? What if there's something worth the chase? Well, good morning, sleep in service. It's good to see you guys here. Glad that you are up at the crack of noon again. Welcome. Uh, you guys are my people. And uh, here's what's going to be happening. We are doing a series in the book of Ecclesiastes, 12 chapters, 12 weeks, one chapter per week. We've invited you to study along with us. Following that, we're going to do a seven-week series on worship. And then I'm going to do a, a series for the fall called Moments, Jesus, Me, and the Other Guy. And then we're going to be at Christmas. Isn't that going to be great? You know, looking forward to Christmas already. Some of you are like, don't talk about that. All right. Well, we're glad that you're here. And uh, I'd invite you, if you've got an app or a Bible, to turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, or you can follow on the screens or in your outline. Uh, as we head to Ecclesiastes chapter 3, I'll start by saying this. In the year that I was born, the number one song on the Billboard charts was a song by the birds called Turn, Turn, Turn. Some of you remember it. You were here in the 60s. Some of you don't. You were high in the 60s. Let's just be honest, okay? Right? But there was this song. There is a season, turn, 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 right? And, and, and the lyrics from that song come directly out of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And that caused a serious problem for certain people in Christianity. Okay? I grew up in a tradition that was very conservative. There were two kinds of music. There was sacred music, which came from Jesus and did not have drums or bass. Okay? And there was satanic music secular, they called it, right? That didn't contain the message of Jesus because it included drums and bass. That's how I grew up. How many of you really? Yes, you were there. Okay, all right. I can't make this step up, okay? Sacred music had the message of God embedded into the melody. Secular music had these hidden satanic messages that you could only hear if you played it backwards. <laughs> you remember it, don't you? Some of you remember it, right? Like, wow. Well, this song by the birds caused a huge uproar because what is a 
Jesus-loving, sacred music person to do when a secular band uses the Bible as their content for the lyrics. It was a glorious mess. And I came into the world in the middle of that controversy and it affected me deeply, which is why as a teenager, I had a bootleg copy of Abigold hidden under my mattress um, <laughs> that I played when my mom and dad were gone to Bible study on Wednesday nights, just being honest. Okay. Those were seasons, and that's what we're going to focus on today. We all have a basic understanding of the rhythms of life. There is just a cycle that happens, and we all walk through it. There's the seasons as we know them, right? It always starts in winter, okay? A time of cold. I grew up in Manitoba. I'm an authority on winter, okay? I get it. Snow and ice and cold and long days of wearing long thermal underwear and plugging in your car and turning up the furnace and eating something called chili to warm yourself, which is ironic. Has anyone ever thought about that? Why they call it chili? I don't know. Ice skating, ice fishing, ice hockey. It's a season, but there's something going on above the ground. There's also something going on below the ground. The ground is actually resting, It's getting ready for another time of growth. Some of you are here today and you're in a season of spiritual winter. Your relationship with God is cold and Solomon gets it. To encourage you, winter is always followed by spring, the time we're in right now, even though today feels a little bit more like summer. It's a time of new birth. The land wakes up from its slumber and we begin to plant and then we wait. The death of cold melts away and it's replaced by this new life. Some of you are in that season of new life. I mean, God planted something new at Easter or you just got baptized. I mean, and you are excited because your faith is coming alive and being in spring is beautiful, but it's also beautiful because there's the promise of summer, a time of warmth and growth. And and we go outside because there's so much to accomplish under the sun. Some of you are doing the hard work of growing spiritually. Honestly, one of my greatest joys over the last couple of weeks has been walking into coffee shops and having people hold up their pro-apt Bible study and going, Grant, I'm studying the Bible. (laughs) I think that's just fantastic. You're doing the work and God is growing that love inside of you and the purpose and the reason why you're doing that is because you're anticipating fall, a time of harvest. What was planted and grown in the spring and the summer is harvested and stored up so that we can survive what is inevitably coming next, which is the season of winter, right? Winter, spring, summer, fall, winter, spring, summer, fall. Those are the seasons They keep on going and Solomon begins to unpack and say there's different kinds of seasons that go on top of that. Some of you are in a family season of toddlers. God bless your heart. (laughs) Some of you are in a family season of working with young adults and students and they're answering and asking questions of you and, and, and you're coming to Jesus saying, God, I need some help in this area. Some of you are in a season of shifting priorities. You're building things. You're replacing things. Others of you are in a season of of purpose. Some of you are struggling with the season of hurt and pain. Some of you are in a blissful season of peace right now. The seasons as Solomon shares them in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 are actually read this way. I'm going to unpack certain ones of them. I don't have time to go through every single one. In fact, I spent a lot of time simply praying, God, would you pick the ones that the people this weekend need to hear? Ecclesiastes 3 says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. That's rather grave, isn't it? The Bible says God numbers our days. So every day has to count. And Solomon is saying, you got to make every day count. He says, there's a time to plant 
and a time to uproot. There's a time to plant something. You put something into the ground and you let it produce. You wait for a period of time and then there's a life cycle that happens after you harvest and then you end up pulling it up by the roots and, and throwing it away. My mom used to use me as cheap child labor in the family garden. You can tell I'm still bitter. That's why I'm thinking about it. And her first lesson to me as an amateur gardener was how to tell the difference between a plant and a weed. You're supposed to know the difference between a plant and a weed. I will confess that many good plants ended up on our discard pile because as a 10-year-old, it's easier just to grab everything and chuck it. I mean, right? <laughs> Mom put a stop to that in short order. But there was a learning. There was a learning. You wanted to keep what was valuable and planted because it would produce this beautiful fruit later on in the year. There was another interesting learning piece that at the end of the year, it all ended up on a burn pile. Because the land needed to rest because there was another season coming. Here's the question for that simple piece of wisdom. In your life, what needs to grow and what needs to go? What in your life needs to be nurtured and watered and protected? And what inside of your soul today do you need to dig up and throw away? Is there a relationship that you've neglected that now needs to be nurtured? Is there a habit that honestly it just needs to be tossed? Is there a discipline that needs to be nurtured and grown deeper because you're going to reap the benefit? Is there a habitual sin in your life that just flat out has to be torn out of your soul and thrown away? I learned a long time ago that what you feed will grow, whether it's good or bad. Solomon is saying, you're actually going to need to use discernment here and choose. Let's keep going. A time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Boy, isn't that a contrast? The mourning, the grief, and then dancing. Some of you today, you're in a season of mourning. You, you, you're living it. Over the last week, you found out that, that your dad has to go to hospice. You found out that a dream that you've had and nurtured for a long time actually died. You invested in a relationship, and this week you found out it was over, and you're, you're grieving, you're mourning that. You built a business, and now all of the dominoes have come crashing down. You're in a season of mourning, and at exactly the same time, in the same room, there's people next to you in a season of celebration. They're just like, you know, the baby's here. Hawks win, you know. <laughs> I graduated. I actually made it through high school, college. Both ends of the spectrum, in the same life, in the same room, and Solomon has lived them both. Some of you are reading that, the time to mourn and the time to dance, and you're like, I know that verse. That's the footloose verse right there, right? <laughs> there were Kevin Bacon up at the front of the church trying to convince an entire town that dancing is good. And that's the verse he uses, a time for dancing. I think dancing is a good thing. I don't, I'm not good at it. I'm not going to demonstrate it for you. But the reality is some of us are being held within our inhibitions and we have forgotten the fact that God has invited us not to be childish, but to be childlike, which means you should be very comfortable dancing in front of your heavenly father. Now, some of you are like, mm, that's not my season, Grant. <laughs> Why? Why have you become so stuck in the season of image management and making sure that everything looks just so, as opposed to entering in with a childlike faith and saying, my daddy loves me, whether I've got rhythm or not. 
Here's the question. What needs grieving and what needs celebration in your life? As Americans, we don't grieve very well. We, we tend to avoid grief at all costs. Here's the problem with that. I've learned from experience. You can delay grief, but you can't defer it completely. It will come back on you. If you don't grieve something well and walk through the process of releasing that pain and that hurt into God's good care, I promise you, if you don't end up dealing with it today, you'll end up having to deal with it someday. Grief will never let you rest until you welcome Jesus into the center of it. I want to remind you, Jesus said he was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. He gets it. I do a lot of funerals, and I have found there's a difference between a good funeral and a bad funeral. A bad funeral only focuses on the loss. A good funeral acknowledges the loss, but also understands that there has been a gain that can be celebrated if the person knew Jesus. If you want your life to be meaningful, not meaningless, walk with Jesus your whole life so that at your funeral, your family can grieve your loss, but celebrate the fact that you just upgraded. Let's continue. Here's a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. I was captured by this one because my modern Western mind doesn't have a box for this. I don't gather stones ever. I mean, the closest I've ever come to gathering stones is when I, I built a, a slate patio in my backyard. And I didn't even gather the stones. I had them delivered. They dropped them in my driveway, and I just had to carry them into the backyard, okay? That's not the picture Solomon had in mind. In this context, Israelites would gather stones for two purposes, monuments and fortresses. The Israelites would gather stones for protection and for remembrance when they were threatened, They would gather stones, fortify their cities with walls of protection. They also had a custom. Whenever God would do something big and huge, or when they blew it big time and huge, they would gather stones and make a monument so that they would never ever forget the lessons and that they would always remember what God wanted them to know. Question for you, church. What in your life needs to be built and what needs to be torn down? Where in your life, using biblical discernment, do you have a breach in the wall and the enemy, Satan himself, is taking advantage of that? Where do you need to go gather some stones and build a new wall so he can't get into the soul of your being? Where are you vulnerable right now? On the other hand, I've noticed something. We do a pretty good job of building monuments to good things, but I found something out about our culture. We also love to build monuments of our own shame and failure. That's why you can't get over that thing that happened when you were in high school. It just hangs around in your head and in your brain and you can't let it go. What old monument to failure that Satan keeps pointing to do you need to take a spiritual jackhammer to this afternoon? Because it can't wait anymore. There's a story in the Old Testament. I love it. The Israelites are on a winning streak They've been taking city after city after city in conquest. And then there's this little tiny town called Ai that shows up. And the Israelites are just like, Jesus, we're on such a winning streak. God, just we got this. We're going to take care of Ai. Boom. Like mow it down. This is no problem. Look at our track record. Look at our resume. Ai has nothing on us. They put God on the shelf, say, we got this one. I've got this fully under control. Anybody else in the room never thought to themselves, God, you can sit this one out. I'm good. Good. Israelites go to Ai and they get crushed because they left God on the sideline. 
and they're sitting in the rubble of their own defeat. And the God of grace and mercy comes to them and gives them a decision. You can stay in this season of loss in AI, or I'm going to invite you to head to the next place. You know where he invited them next? The place was called Bethel, house of God. How gracious is that? You kicked me out of your situation. You lost. And the gracious heart of God is, but we're going to go to my house and put the pieces back together. Let's keep going. Time to embrace. The time to refrain from embracing. Huggers of Christ the King, that verse is for you. Is it time to bring it in? Time to back off, okay? Just saying. Time to search, time to give up, time to keep, and a time to throw away. Some of us are keepers. There's a word for that. It's called hoarding, all right? There's TV shows about it right now. We just keep stuff, you know, and we say, no, it's because it's so precious to us. That's why I'm going to put it in a cardboard box and put it in my attic. What? If it's that precious, aren't you supposed to actually hold on to it? Okay, that's not me. I keep certain things, but I'm a purger, all right? If you haven't used it, I got a dumpster for it. I mean, if it hasn't been touched in the last month, it's probably going to be gone, right? If you haven't thought about it in the last 18 minutes, it's on the bubble for me. Like, I can, I can get rid of some, some stuff. That's just how it goes. Some of us love to hold on to. Some of us love to, to just release so I did a little gut check on my own life this past week. It was a time to keep things and a time to let things go. I noticed a little file label in my electronic email box that was populated with nine letters that were quite critical. You could call them negative. What was Interesting to me is that every single person that wrote me uh, a nasty little note, they didn't have a problem with me. They had a problem with something God's word said. I'm okay with that. In fact, I thought, why is there only nine? Maybe I need to preach a little harder, Christ the King Church. (laughs) But I'm sitting there just looking at this little file label after having studied Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and the Holy Spirit whispers in my ear, why are you holding on to it? Let it go. There's a time to let it go. I clicked delete. And then I emptied my trash. Because sometimes we need to do that. Sometimes we also need to hold on to things. I've had this box sitting up on my top shelf in my office. I forgot what was in it until yesterday afternoon. I actually pulled it down and looked inside. It's my grandma's hearing aid. She's the reason I'm here. It's all her fault. If you don't like it, you can blame her, okay? She, uh, she prayed that I, would, that I would be a preacher. <laughs> Just in case you're wondering, if you have a grandma praying for you, give up. Just go with that plan. It will work. Just saying, all right? She never got to hear me preach. She got to see me preach once. But because she knew Jesus pretty sure she could hear today. I found this in my little box. It's a widow's mite from Israel. I love this tiny little insignificant coin 
that's ancient from the first century because uh, a little old lady shows up in the temple one day and drops two widow's mites into a box and the God of heaven stops everything and says, do you see that? Do you see her? She gets it. She's the rock star of this story. Out of her poverty, she sacrificed and God noticed. I love that little coin. Uh, first time I went to Africa, there were some boys playing soccer. They didn't have a soccer ball, so they made one out of plastic garbage bags and twine. You sent me with soccer balls, so I traded them. And I love this. It's precious to me because it reminds me about the fact that we're not just responsible for things that happen here. We actually can have an impact on the other side of the world. I have a dashboard Jesus in here. I have no idea why. I don't. <laughs> I have no idea. Um, I'm keeping it too, just saying. Um, my brother David, you know this, don't you, bro? Yeah. I did a memorial with with parts of our family here. And my Lummy brothers and sisters gave me this blanket as a gift. I was so honored to have this. So honest by, honored by their incredible gift to me. There's a time to let some things go and there's a time to hold on. And God says we need to discern the difference between the two. Here's my question to you, church. What needs to be cherished that you can hold on to and what needs to be purged? What needs to go today that you can't wait any longer? It just has to go. What do you need to grab a hold of and, and, and put in a very special place because years from now it's going to matter. Let's keep going. Verse 7, a time to tear and a time to mend time to be silent and a time to speak. This is an interesting one, especially because we're coming into an election year. Let me just say it. Some of you need to speak up. Some of you need to knock it off and zip it. Because my Bible says, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, and that includes your fingers. Somebody say amen. All right? In this season of your life, what needs to be said? What needs to be swallowed? I learned this a long time ago. Not everything that drops into your brain needs to come out of your mouth. And Solomon is saying, you need to learn to use discernment between those two points. Let's keep going. Verse number eight, the time to love, time to hate, time for war and time for peace. Boy, I wish I had time to break these all open, but I wanted to get to this last section because Solomon summarizes all of these seasons all of these seasons. And then in verse 9, he says this, What do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. I warned you on the front end that Solomon has a pretty grim view of life at the time he's reading, uh, writing Ecclesiastes. This book, 2,500 to 3,000 years old, to me, felt like it could be written yesterday. People are just like, I've seen this burden. It's really, really dark. And then then, then three chapters in, he finally gives us a little glimmer of light. Verse 11, he says this, talking about God. He's made everything beautiful in its time. 
He's also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. Here's what God is saying. God is saying whatever season you happen to be in, whatever season you happen to be in, if you give God enough time to work with it, it can become beautiful. You say, Grant, I don't know what that means. Let me describe it to you. Early in our married life, Laurel and I lost a lot of family members to cancer. Some made it, some didn't. But Laurel's uh, dad, her brother, her 15-year-old niece, just gone. And you go, that was a season of mourning for us. We still miss them. We still miss them. But what came out of it that's beautiful is Laurel and I know this for sure. There's no guarantee of Monday for any of us. So it better make Sunday count. And I don't mean by going out there and living under the sun, little S-U-N. I mean actually living every single day under the lordship of the Son of God, Jesus Christ himself. Out of everything that is difficult and hard, God can make something beautiful. He is the God who restores, redeems, and repairs. Solomon also says this. He says, you know, there's something imprinted inside of each of us. The very first week, I, I, I had a little steam thing up here. Somebody turned it into a meme. Apparently, it's running around the internet out there. Me standing here with this little, you know. And I was thinking about, there's this vapor. It's just a cloud, right? It's just like, it's there and then it's gone. But don't ever miss this point. Every meticulous little drop that made up that little cloud matters. Every meticulous part of every season, it matters. And God wants us to understand that this is temporary, but it's still important. And you get to make a choice as to how you handle the seasons. It's either going to be meaningless, like Solomon ended up, or it's going to be meaningful. You get to actually grab a hold of it. The way your life is meaningful is you understand something. This is temporary. Heaven is eternal. I mean, I know this is going to kill some of you, but all of the stuff that you've accumulated, it's all going to end up on a burn pile. Hmm. Some of you are like, mm, no, no, no. I think I can, I think I can keep it. All going to end up on a burn pile. So I'm doing the same thing that you are. Ecclesiastes 3. I did my pro-apt Bible study. They're, some, they're available online. They're also available there. I've been so thrilled. I've walked into coffee shops the last couple of weeks and people are like, Grant, I'm studying the Bible. <laughs> Love that. But I looked at Ecclesiastes 3 and God whispered a modern application for those who are called to eternity, not just to the temporary part of this world. And I would put it this way. I think... I would summarize Solomon's appeal as this. There's a time to move in and a time to move on. Let's have a very personal conversation. Some of you in this room, you got hurt by somebody a long time ago. And if Solomon was here, he would say, here's what needs to happen. You need to move in towards the heart of Jesus. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And then... Draw a line in the sand, and for the love of God, move on. Some of you suffered an injustice at work at the hands of your boss 19 years ago, and you're still thinking about it. 
You still feel something every time you drive past the front doors of the place where you used to work. And deep inside of you, there's just this little bitter thing that gets churned up. And God shows up and says, look, can I remind you? God works all things together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. There was something for you to learn back then, but you're stuck. So you need to move in to the grace that God has for you. You need to release your judgment of that person who wronged you. And then for the love of God, move on. In every season of life, you get hurt and you get pain. What you do with the hurt and the pain will either freeze you or free you. Some of you need to move on. You've been hanging on to it for so long. What has it gained you besides an ulcer and a headache? God said this to Solomon. Here's the problem. He didn't listen. That's why he is where he is. The book of Ecclesiastes. God played with him. I need you to feel the hurt. There's nothing wrong with feeling the hurt. Just hold on. Don't, don't hold on to the hurt. Feel the hurt. Move towards him. Learn the lessons. Draw a line and then move on. Let's close with one last thought. So I'm reading all of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. I only got through like the first 16 or so verses. There's a whole other section at the end of it. We don't have time to get to it today. But as I'm wrapping up this chapter, I'm thinking, if Solomon was the, trying to like encapsulate the seasons of his life, I noticed that there was something missing. It was an observation. What was missing is there's no mention of a time to make money. That was interesting to me because Solomon spent his life accruing and accumulating unbelievable wealth. Every single year, Solomon accrued and accumulated $1.1 billion just in actual gold through gifts that were given to him as the king of Jerusalem. His accumulated net worth was over $2 trillion. And he doesn't say a word about it. You know why? Because all that stuff that's so important to us in eternity, it's worthless. It doesn't mean anything. I know it kills you, but everything you have that you have worked so hard to get, it's all going to end up on a burn pile. And you're like, Grant, give me something happy. <laughs> I will. I will. Solomon starts counting something worth more. According to the teacher, according to the preacher, after spending a life accumulating at the end of his life, here's what he's counting. He's counting dance steps. He's counting tears. He's counting mended relationships. He's counting hugs. He's even counting silence. Solomon is saying, guys, in eternity, it's a different currency. Invest with the right currency. Some of you today 
need to go home and the greatest spiritual move you could make is to pick up your one-year-old and dance in the kitchen. I promise you, when they're getting ready to bury you, your kids are not going to talk about what kind of car you drove. If they do, that's just tragic. I was at a funeral not too long ago, and the daughter gave a tribute, and she said, I don't remember a whole lot, but I remember this. My daddy danced with me. That matters. Some of you need to go outside this afternoon and take a really long walk on the waterfront. You need to defer a bunch of stuff because there's a lot of toil you could do under the sun this afternoon. Some of you need to go for a long walk and at some point you need to stop and just say, thank you. Thank you. Some of you have a phone call to make this afternoon. Because it's a time to mend. And you have to go first. Because if you don't, nobody's ever going to. What are you counting and why? Those two questions are going to show up over and over again in the book of Ecclesiastes. So, time to wrap up. And I'll wrap up with just a couple questions. When I used the words earlier on in the sermon, move on. What did the Holy Spirit of God tell you? What do you actually need to move on from today? Can't wait any longer. It's time to draw a line and move on. By the way, I didn't have anything to do with that. That's God talking. I'm just doing my best to try and stay out of the way. What do you need to do today to make sure that you fully embrace the idea that you understand this is temporary. I want to invest in the eternal. Two things are eternal, God's word and people. How are you investing in those today? And then when I talked earlier about having to tear something down, what needs to get taken apart? Because God doesn't want you stuck in shame and failure anymore. Where's the breach in the wall? You need to build protection starting today. Whatever it is that God did inside of your heart, let's not ignore him. Solomon would beg us, don't let your life be like mine where you get to the end of it and it feels meaningless. No, make a decision today so that it's meaningful. This afternoon, you're going to get to live under the sun. Enjoy it. Do something with it. But I promise you, the best way to make that count is to understand that all of your life is lived under that son. Jesus Christ, the son of God, who can make all things meaningful. Would you stand with me as we close? Father God, for my brothers and my sisters here today, Lord, for those who need to go back and, 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 and purge this afternoon, I pray that you would give them wisdom. For those that need to go back through some memories and feel them, God, I pray that they would know that with enough time, you can make everything beautiful. God, for those who need to, to tear down a monument of failure, 
Lord, I thank you so much that you've got a jackhammer. (laughs) God, help us to use discernment as we walk through the seasons. And Lord, may every season bring glory to the name of Jesus, the Son of God and God the Son. So Lord, we give ourselves to the good work of discerning seasons, moving on or moving in. Lord, teach us what it means to have our hearts set on eternity, not caught up in the temporary. Lord, teach us what it means to live meaningful, not meaningless lives. We give you all praise and glory on this beautiful, beautiful spring slash summer day. Thank you for church. Thank you for Jesus. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.